0: Hey, Danny. Yeah, John? Yeah. So uh, just a little addendum. Uh, Last episode, we talked about uh, we returned to form with our worst characters in 40K segment uh, with Lucius the Eternal. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we listed our top Mm -hmm. five. Now that we've added Lucius in there, we had him as a solid number two right behind Kato uh, in front of another guy. Um, But I wanted to just add in a quick... (laughs)
1: I'll blow a hole in you
0: with my... Corrections and omissions. The largest omission in the world. We forgot Thazar. How could we forget? The Necron Pirate. Um, Uh, Unacceptable. And that just tells me that we've uh, been gone too long without doing those segments. So Agreed. Agreed. Thazar, still number one. Kato, strong number two. Wait a minute. No, no lawnmower man oh sergeant is number one. Oh my gosh that's that right. is ours number two
2: lucius is number three kato number four uh, and then we have kato at number four
0: and drago at number five and that is our top five now regardless of what we have said before <laughs> that is it because i don't know about you but i can't listen to us uh, so i'm not going to go back and double check uh that is our top five okay uh and then that's that's all i got to say about that Danny, 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 we're back. So back. Yes. Uh, what a great episode. We're <laughs> as, gonna... as one says. As one says. What a great episode we have today. And we have JT from Play on Tabletop came to talk to us um, about Play on Tabletop, yeah. uh, about Drew Carey, and then also about uh, the Las Vegas Nopin. The Nopin. Yep. Where he had the Cinderella story um, of reaching the semifinals with his list. Or the finals with his list. It even. really was. It really was. It, it was a beautiful yeah, finals. thing to see. Um, and then Innes has returned as well to to tell us some more forty K game theory um over soft beats. We're just gonna keep adding to the the word count of the title of that segment. Um, but he's in with Yeah, really okay, so list. what's the official name of it now? Oh, it's he says it's an untitled segment, but I'm gonna say it's Innis's. Okay, WTC Team Scotland Captain Innis's warhammer forty thousand game theory segment untitled currently um mob rules comma over info. soft beats over soft beats um but yeah he he, <laughs> he knocked it out of the park this week so that's going to be right after the jt interview um but before we get all to the fun stuff danny what you been up to oh
2: man uh it's actually been a busy week like like hobby-wise. Uh I think we played two games now. Yeah, Yeah, uh, so, since
0: we last recorded since we last recorded we played two games. I played a game against mm-hmm. Kevin, so I played three games. Um I've painted a ton of Look stuff. Look at you. I know, I know. Like actually yeah. getting out and getting those reps in. Um Yeah,
2: I have a ton, I have a dick time to paint anything, so um and by dick time, I mean I haven't had a lot of it's uh, for close personal intimate time. It's been a lot of masturbation. Um,
0: yeah. Should I paint or jerk uh,
2: Who knows? I have to stop masturbating. It's making me so lazy. Um <laughs> uh, anyway. Um Can I see your Silent King model? No, for sure. All. Your choice. <laughs> yeah. Man, those are some creamy highlights. <laughs> <laughs> uh anyway uh so uh sean and i played a couple of games uh i played some weird necron lists against him uh he's dying right now oh uh, man it's hilarious
0: i'm just gonna be describing stuff as having creamy highlights from here on out and uh it's <laughs> you people who listen to the show
2: what's <laughs> that
0: a glaze um <laughs> oh yeah it is <laughs> Anyway, yeah, 4 decay, Warhammer. Oh, so
2: <laughs> so uh, John and I uh, played a game. I played uh, Triple Satan uh, for one of the games, uh, which was pretty fun. I haven't played that before. I am really bad at it uh, right off the gate. So I'll have to play it a little bit more. Um I've got like virtually no experience with that kind of a build. So uh, I'm going to give it a couple more tries before I give up on it, though. I think it's probably pretty interesting. I mean, I guess I still won. So like, I don't know why I'm oh, yeah. complaining about it.
0: I mean, I think um, I, I mean, it was a really good list, but like the synergies in it, like like halfway through, when you're like, "Oh, I can move and do this," like that would have just yeah. annihilated <laughs> like me like super early. Um, and then that game. As yeah, well- I think, it, it,
2: and I also misplayed a couple of rules too, uh, both to my benefit and against my benefit as well. So uh, sorry about that, John.
0: No, it's all good because in that game, um, I misplayed all of my rules. Um, to, <laughs> to your detriment. Um, and just kind of like an, as an aside here, like going into this game, um, about five minutes before Danny showed up for this game, um, my entire work, uh, not literally, but uh, metaphorically burned down. So from yeah. like, so I think from pregame discussion, terrain setup, deployment, and turn one, I was solidly on the phone with about seven different people trying to take care of eight different things, um, yep. which caused me to instantly forget to play Warhammer, uh, which led to <laughs> just a terrible experience of Danny to the point where I want to actually make a shirt now that says, dude, you can't do that. It's not core, which was, I think something he said <laughs> eight or nine times. <laughs> Let's draw the whole thing.
2: Oh, John. It's fine, man. Uh, I like the part where you begged your wife to make you study.
0: Oh, heck Um, yeah. Because afterwards, (laughs) well, like, that's the thing I took away from that game is like, okay, even though all this stuff happened, I shouldn't have such shitty knowledge of my army. And, like, all of these things should be able to come to me and, like, I shouldn't let this kind of stuff get in the way. Um, And then also made me look, like, how am I building my lists? Because, like, it's a new book and we talked before how Death Guard's like, a completely different army now. Um, The Mm -hmm. way I built my list in no way was a ninth edition list. It would have been a really good eighth edition list. Um, But in no way was it a good ninth because what secondaries am I taking? Who even knows? Uh, So it was, I mean, a terrible time for you. Uh, But for me, it was very eye-opening to to how to prepare. Right, exactly. Um, uh,
2: So... It, but it was fine it was a fun game like we were both learning stuff like we both messed up some bo- both messed up on some rules and things like that um so it definitely made me like reread a bunch of things in my book and uh try and be better right right um, um and then so we played another game we did a week after that um uh which was a great game um uh i think it was an advantage to me uh i did i, I went second though yeah i went, you went second, second yeah okay. I was able to kind of see, I think what was going to happen on the table, Mm um, uh, really early on. And I, I basically kind of knew how the game was going to end up after the first turn. Um, and, uh, everything played out the way I pretty much thought it was going to. There were, there weren't really any surprises. Um, so, uh, it was, it, it was, it was a good game, but John did some good moves. Like he pulled out every single point that he possibly could. Um, I just think he made some deployment and movement mistakes um, on his turn two. I think that would have changed the game a little bit more. Um, he kind of gave me one flank and concentrate everything on the other one. And I was able to funnel everybody into the silent King and then all of my shooting.
0: Right. <laughs> <laughs> Which that had like so, listed a lot of shooting. Uh, but, um, but I think it, did. it does have a lot of shooting. Plus i for me, like I think by turn three or four, I was able to point out like, hey, I really shouldn't have given up that flank there. And I probably shouldn't have gone here. Um, yep. So, so yep. that was that was good for me. And then especially um, it helped me really see what parts of that list worked and which parts to get rid of. Um, so so that was mm-hmm. super helpful too. What else did you get up to?
2: It was not a, an unfun game though. No, it was a uh, great it was, game. It was it was, pretty
0: cool. it, it was super good. And like I said, it let me see. Like I tried Harbingers uh, for that one, which uh, like that was mm-hmm. one of my first changes because like the pox walkers and the, the way the list I have, and we'll talk about like, like later is, um, I was trying to do stuff with the pox walkers that the list wasn't designed to do. Um, which kind of hurt a little bit there and I could have like sure. That makes sense. And I could have done a lot of other things if I was a different play company. So,
2: yeah. And I think, uh, if you would have been, uh, uh, like Mortarion's anvil and you had the gloaming bloat on your warlord, I think that game would have been totally different. Um, I would have had a much harder time dealing with a character with a 12 inch aura of uh, gloaming bloat uh, when like none of my immortals could really could rapid fire you quite as effectively as they were able to do. right. So for sure, uh, yeah. yeah.
0: So what else did you get up to? You So we, you played two games against me, r- picked up two impressive victories.
2: Um, I primered some models for this weekend, um, which we'll talk about in a minute. Um, uh, I built a Psychomancer model. Yeah, uh, That guy's really cool. I was pretty excited to build him. Uh, he's a pain in the ass to build, so if you haven't built one yet, uh, <laughs> just be prepared.
0: And he's taking um, commissions to build for you for only $70 I a absolutely
2: model. am not. <laughs> it costs more than the model um that's gonna because it took me at least an hour to build that guy uh which was really annoying um he just has a lot of like little flimsy pieces that he stands on and once he's together like he's really stable um but it's a lot of little pieces that connect together through tiny things that support other pieces and like he's uh anyway he's not easy uh, and then I also built five of the Contencar terminators or, uh, car, uh, whatever the new night Lords, forge world terminators. So I built a unit of those, um, out of a forge world order I got recently. Um, so I'm really excited to paint those guys up. The models are phenomenally detailed. There's so many little bits and pieces. And, uh, uh, I, every time I pick one up, like I'm like, oh, I need to cut out that hook because it's like filled in with flash. Oh, geez. Um, <laughs> uh, but that's fine. Um, uh, man, they're so cool, though. Uh, you're going to be hyped to build them, John.
0: Yeah, I, I was going to say, I picked up a box in that order, too, for my just my regular Chaos uh, Army. Uh, and after seeing guy and Danny's ones put together, man, they are just gorgeous. Um, I'm really excited to put them together. No, not as excited to cut out all the flashing and stuff. But, you know, Forge World, got to be a pro <laughs> modeler to, to make it work. Yeah. <laughs> Um,
2: but yeah, other than that, um, do you want me to talk about the, the, the pro TT?
0: Well, let's talk about my the games first, uh, and then we'll move oh, on sure, to Yeah. That we there. Do yeah. That. So like I had, oh, the, yeah, let's do that. I had the two games against Danny. Um, and then after game, so game one awful, uh, I didn't think about the most important question. And like when I quote Danny saying often is kind of like what I do in like list design, I was like. How does this win games? Um, I didn't ask that the first game, and unsurprisingly, I didn't win. Um, and then game two, where like I lost being pure Harbingers. Um, I was able to take that game and make some pretty minor changes, I would say, to my list overall. Uh, so like I, I took out, like, I mean, man, I love that Terminator Sorcerer. Ooh, boy, is he spicy? Um, but I took him out. Uh I took him out. <laughs> uh, for a malignant plague caster. Um, I changed everything to Mortarian's anvil. Um, and I, I changed like a couple other things, but also like Danny was saying, I gave uh, the warlord gloaming blow, uh, and that uh, super. And then I gave my plague surgeon, um, arch contaminator, uh, cause they're always hanging out around each other. And then the next night I took <laughs> that list, uh, against, uh, Kevin, one of our local guys, and he was running, um, white scars and pretty much uh, the inverse score happened so i think when i was playing you danny i lost like like what it was like 80 to 38 or something like that or 85 38 yeah. yeah um and then i won against kevin like 80 85 uh 38. like it was almost exactly the same score but it sort of flipped um and a lot of that came from uh gloaming bloat and that sort of that warlord character in the center uh, having the ability to turn off Plasma Inceptor's abilities to reroll really made Kevin have to, like, I can't overcharge these guys. Um, so, like, that saved me, like, a couple rounds of shooting. Um, and then what I was able to do was I had a big unit of Spawn and a big unit of pox Walkers, and they kind of went uh, out to both sides here uh, and kind of tried to draw people towards them. And by drawing people towards them, I was able to get them within kind of uh, threat range of my murder blob of nine death shroud and all my characters in the center of the table. So you have to deal with the spawn and you have to deal with the pox walkers. Otherwise, they're just going to hold objectives and kind of cause people to have a bad time. But if you do, you get within range of gloaming bloat. Uh, so you don't get rerolls. You also get within range of uh, death shroud, which are no joke. Uh, they took out a lot. And really the MVP of both those games outside of that gloaming bloat loader contagion. Was that malignant playcaster? <coughs> and that was He's really he, good. And that was just because, like every psychic power I cast, if I got seven or more, I'm doing a mortal wound to to the closest unit within twelve. Uh, so that makes smite mm-hmm. amazing, and then that makes me just start casting random powers. Like if I don't have a viable target for something, I'm just gonna cast it anyway. Like sure, my lord of contagion has a twelve inch or range anyway because uh, of the turn, but I'm gonna still cast gift of plagues on him. Uh, in order to kind of try right. and get uh, a mortal wound off. So there's like zero failed or, or wasted casting, which felt super nice. Um, and we talked about it afterwards, like, and I know Kevin talked to you heavily about it, about a couple of different things he could have done differently. Um, and I'm sure next mm-hmm. time we meet, it, it's going to be a much closer game. Um, but it felt really good um, to see kind of like an instant result and an instant change from changes I made and kind of improvements there. And again, coming from it from a place of how does this list win games? Um, knowing the secondaries I'm going to take, where the majority of the secondaries I'm going to take going into the game um, makes it a much more stress-free experience kind of pre-game and starting. Like knowing sure. I'm going to take this, knowing I'm going to take that, and then a third one for flavor. Uh, and JT has some really good insight later on about secondaries as well that, that kind of really felt good as well uh, with what I was doing. Um I got, everything, Dude, yeah. I got everything fully painted for the upcoming uh, uh, RTT we have here. Uh, so that was super cool. Uh, this week was a little bit of a rush. Uh, I painted like three Death Shroud. I painted five Plague Marines. Um, I, I got squad marks on all my unit bases. i um, painted up and ready to go. I have 125mm nice. squad marks that are going to arrive on Saturday uh fingers crossed so that i can get all my pox walkers marked up um because i feel a lot more oh confident. nice okay. uh, i feel a lot more confident about deploying in irritating ways like crossing squads and doing like weird stuff like that um if they're really mm-hmm. easy to to tell and with squad marks they really are and especially i have a um i have the battle Foam Magna rack so having that magnet on the base oh yeah um, makes it really easy to transport them there too um but I mean, oh, and I, I've continued listening *Buried Dagger*, which continues to be a delight. Um, and no, I think it's a great book. one of my my Malcador is one of my favorite characters out of that book, um, just because of how he goes from mysterious to just a dick like really quickly <laughs> is amazing. And, and some of the stuff they do with the Sisters of Silence in that book is amazing. And then just Typhon just being just such a tool. Oh my god, I hate that guy so much. Uh, it almost <laughs> It almost made me take typhus out of my list. I'm purely out of listening <laughs> to this book. Like I was like, man, I could fit another Lord of Contagion in there is maybe not quite such a knob, um, but no, I, I left him in. Nice. But yeah, so we have an RCT coming up, Danny. We do.
2: Yeah, so, uh, what, I've, so what I did is uh, I talked with our local store and then abiding by our... Uh, our local government's current uh, rules. Um, I rented out a private space um, in the store, uh, which doesn't have a lot of foot traffic in the first place. Right. Um, and, uh, and then it's I also have, uh, rented
0: out. Uh, I was going to say it's also on a day the store is closed. That's how baller you Correct. are right yep. now. I rented yeah. out
2: the store on a day it's closed. So there's, there will be no foot traffic of random people coming in the door or at least I hope not. I hope that they'll get turned away pretty quickly. Um, because I'd like to keep the door open just to make sure people can go outside to take off their mask or whatever. Um, so we have a full mask policy all day. Um, you have to wash your hands when you, whenever you leave the room and come back in or, or sanitize them at least with hand sanitizer. Um, and then, uh, like, there'll be no eating or drinking, like, inside the store. Like, all that has to be done outside the store. So I think I'm going to bring a couple of extra masks just in case, like, just so my face doesn't get super sweaty or my mask get wet. Oh, um, so yeah. that way I can switch out.
0: That's a pro gamer yeah. move right there. That's what Inish should be talking about in game theory. <laughs> Is the appropriate a number of masks for your game?
2: I could just like, or maybe I could put like my a camel pack on my back and have the thing go <laughs> inside of my mask, so I can drink while not taking off my mask.
0: We won't be able to I'm understand you talk because there'll be a tube in your mouth. But man, it doesn't be, matter.
2: Not important. You'll be able to see my moves on the <laughs> tabletop, John.
0: What stratagem are you using? And it's just like double bird flipping me off. Um, no, I'm waiting for, I'm mind. just going to like throw a card on the table, like read my rules, bitch. <laughs>
2: um, you fell for my trap card. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> uh, and then uh, what's the other thing I'm doing? Um,
0: it's invitation. Oh, yeah, and then we're
2: having uh, temperatures right at the door. Um, it's also invitational. So it's only available for uh, like our teammates. Um, uh, so we invited basically just, just our teammates uh, to the event, uh, which is great. Um none of them have had a uh, positive covid test I believe uh, which is awesome. Um and all of them either get tested regularly or going through the the vaccination process too which is awesome. Um and we'll have a we'll have a, a fillable survey that we'll send out on Friday night as well before the tournament or uh, Saturday night before the tournament. Uh, and uh that's when I'm going to go into the store and set everything up so we can get in and out um ahead of time uh, um for the event which will be awesome. And yeah, um I'm actually, yeah i'm excited like just getting together with the bros is huge right
0: mm-hmm. i was gonna say i even have like yeah. i'm taking my my work uh covid safety coach uh questionnaire um that takes like uh 90 seconds to do that we'll be doing in the door as well to just really mitigate anything um but again to danny's point nice. uh there's like yeah uh the ability to see people um and, and be kind of safe and at a distance is just huge um and so it's very exciting. Uh, and especially being able to do it in this controlled way, because I know there's been other RTTs and mm-hmm. tournaments about here. Um, but my hesitation has been like, I don't know who's going to go. Uh, like, I don't know who's going to be there. And then this way, uh, that's mitigated. So it's exciting. I'm not excited. Right. For, right. I'm not excited for my, 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 uh, like, round, like, I'm assuming round one, Taylor, round two, Danny, and just having my ass kicked like both times. Or I guess <laughs> not, that, that's not going to happen, but you know, just. Uh, and even like just getting out and having fun and being at a tournament, I'm very, very excited. Um, and I know for me, I've overscheduled my work, so there will be zero reasons to be called for, for any reason. I I overspent payroll for this Danny.
2: (laughs) Well, you know, like, and here's the thing that's, that is important to me, right? Is that we're all being safe. Um, our number, our count numbers are way down right now forty today. Um, from where they were, which is awesome. Like Anchorage is doing a, uh, in fact, the whole state is doing a really bang up job. Um, I'm not trying to toot my own, my own horn too much here. Um, but, uh, <laughs> uh but I, I'm really, <laughs> thank you. Yeah. That's the that's, horn I want, the baby. One you, the horn you wanted to, <laughs> um, So, uh, but I've been super happy with, uh, with how everything is going and uh, um, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm excited for uh, uh, I'm excited for this event. I'm very excited for this event. Absolutely. See see the guys is a really big mental health deal for all of us. Yeah.
0: And you can absolutely follow along. Uh, it's going to be on Sunday, the 21st of February. It's up on Best Coast Pairings. Uh, mm-hmm. It's Prolumina TT Invitational in Anchorage, Alaska. If you just search for all events near <laughs> 99507 would be the zip code. Uh, it'll come up much easier. There you so go. I won't have to spell stuff. It'll pop up real, uh, um, real quick. Yeah. And see how we all do. Check out the lists. All the lists are going to be posted here, too. Um, and I'm excited uh, to steal some content from our friends as well by, by talking to them about their games afterwards. Um, that's pretty exciting. Uh, Danny, you have any thoughts you want to throw in here before we uh, throw it to JT? Uh, no, I
2: think that's about it. I'm excited for this interview, though. It's It's, uh, it's yeah. a good one.
0: It's a good one. It's going to be amazing. We're going to take this quick break, and we'll be right back with JT. Dude, I'm the best.
1: I took first place at another tournament. First off, stop with the thunder and lightning. You don't impress me. And second, let me check out the BCP rankings. And I don't see you on there. What? Your TO needs to download the Best Coast Pairings app and run events on it. After the event, the results are uploaded into BCP rankings, and the best part, it's easy and free. But I play multiple game systems. No big deal. The BCP app can be used for any game. A ton of events every weekend are using it, from major international tournaments to local stores. And now that it's available on Android devices, you're going to have some serious competition. There can be only one. BCP Rankings is a fun and exciting way to measure how you or your team stack up. No matter what you play, your score goes to an overall ranking. Or compete to be the best in a game, a circuit, a region, or the world.
2: Download the app or visit www.bestcoastpairings.com
1: for more info. Best Coast Parents. Are you the best?
0: Hey Danny, we're back. Uh from whatever it was we just said, because we definitely record these in order. So back. So back. Um, but we have another guest coming on to join us today. And the best thing about this guest, Danny, this person needs no introduction. Not even one. Nope. Well, maybe one. I mean, I think one is probably Fair. Well, yeah, so uh, he's one of the staples of Play on Tabletop. Uh, it's a wargaming channel on YouTube. If you haven't checked it out, definitely check it out. They produce some really high-quality, visually stunning battle reports. Um, like some of the the mm-hmm. effort they put into editing is just blows everyone else away. Uh, he's a noted... Dr- oh, my God, that's insane. Uh, noted Dracari enthusiast uh, and Las Vegas Nopin list writing runner-up. Uh, we have JT McDowell. I said you needed no introduction. Hello, gentlemen. Here I am. Um, yeah, that's a heck of a no introduction. I loved it. Thank, thank you very much. Yeah, <laughs> Danny, Danny didn't hold on long enough. I was like, man, if we, I could just have like twenty seconds. I love it when a joke goes too long. Um, I don't think anyone who listens loves it. What is your goes favorite thing? It like, is for real. That's your favorite thing. Um, and I wanted just that uncomfortable <laughs> silence to go for a while. Uh, but JT, you, you didn't bite. You didn't jump in and, uh, and and fill in that slot to be like hi. So that's that's fine. <laughs> That's fine. How are, how are you on this fine, uh, fine morning, evening, whatever it is? It, it, I'm not sure what it, it ends in a Y. I'm pretty sure that's what that's right. today <laughs> is. Uh, yeah, I know
3: uh, well, uh, doing as well as can be. W- better than some, worse than others. Uh, fair to middling. <clears throat> you know, typical West Coast Canadian thing. It snowed an hour ago. It's raining now. It's sunny in about 20 minutes. You know, <laughs> this is typically what we have. Uh, but other than that, uh, no, doing really well. Um busy 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 with play on and uh some of this attention after the nope and so it's it's been a fun few weeks that's for sure
0: It's absolutely the apple of people's that's eyes awesome. um you have been playing uh warhammer like a long time as uh, uh like during our preamble we found out me and danny are just going to talk you over each other this entire time um, <laughs> <laughs> as is tradition <laughs> um how did you get started with warhammer just generally really like as a hobby Right.
3: Um, I started way back in the in the dark ages, in the days of Rogue Trader, with a soft cover Rogue Trader because I couldn't afford the hardcover because I was a thirteen year old kid. Um, so that's thirty five plus years ago, um, and it was I think Fantasy was the first sort of foray, but really BattleTech was the tabletop gateway drug, and then it became Warhammer because F- Warhammer Forty K. I mean, plastic Space Marines, oh my goodness, they were amazing, and that was really the like, just catapulted the addiction but i remember buying the first little conical head Eldar. my buddy got into it and then i got into it and then a couple other people got into it and people fell out over the years and i didn't completely play 35 years straight i mean i was always there and have a pickup game and what are the coolest rules but it's it's always appealed to me the concept of the painting and the building and the and really, I just love the the Eldar aesthetic. And the, the funny part is some of the 35-year-old models that I have are still current for Eldar. And my Eldar playing compatriots yeah. will understand my pain.
0: It's a very True. current range. Um, so you said like yeah. Eldar was your first army, right? So what, what drew you to Eldar apart from kind of like their terrible armor, um, their really short-ranged weapons, <laughs> um, their lack of durability?
3: Um, first, it was the aesthetic. Um, It was this cool, Mobius-looking artwork that they had. Um, I I mean, in the old Rogue Trader, Eldar were this, um, I mean, this dying race that, that knows they're dying but has to save the universe because humans are stupid. And I really love that concept, but they are dying doing it and humanity's too stupid to pay attention. It had this kind of, I mean, I grew up on the West coast. So maybe there was like a whole little peacenik kind of vibe to it. My family's full of hippies. Maybe that's what it was that they're, they're trying to save the planet and, and rampant industrialism is destroying it. Maybe that was the message from all those Saturday morning cartoons and, and now, you know, moments got through. <laughs> maybe that's what it was. But really, it was the aesthetic and then it was the background. It was the lore. And it was the fact that um, all the other models just look cooler than the Space Marines ones at the time. Now it's completely flipped and the Space Marine models are amazing sculpts and Eldar need new stuff. But at the time, it was really the the cosmetics and then it was the lore. And then the gameplay was fun because back then it was all kill team size. There was no 2000 point battles with 300 models on the table. So I could have my jump pack void grenade and um, shuriken cannon wielding Eldar pirate and you can have your guardsmen with a multi melta and <laughs> suspensors I mean it was a different game uh, but now now it's just uh, I've been with them so long it'd be hard pressed to change so
0: I was gonna say uh, like what what's everyone's feelings on old style of vortex grenades coming back um, I am strongly no um, I still have like horror <laughs> memories of like shock attack guns from 6th edition um Danny, uh you seem like you would be heavily into vortex grenades um back in the day.
2: Uh probably not. No. <laughs> just destroying your armies just destroying your opponent's army with like no recourse is yeah. uh pretty lame.
0: No, that's that's uh, you, mean, you mean you mean
3: that's I was gonna say you mean it's Warhammer Fantasy eighth edition? That's what that is. Destroying <laughs> your bonus army with no recourse. That's whoa,
2: whoa, is. whoa! Let's not get into that. I don't <laughs> want to. T- I don't want to talk about Eighth Edition.
3: <laughs> Warhammer Fantasy Eighth Edition, mind you. That was. Um, that no, was no, no! Old. I know exactly what you're talking. No, sorry. That was.
2: That is absolutely what I'm talking about. If I got dwellered one more time, I swear to God, I was going to flip the table. <laughs> and then for for those, <laughs> that, was, that game was my jam, though. So I can't really. Uh, I don't know. I can't. I can't really talk too much shit. I traveled a lot for for Eighth Edition Warhammer Fantasy tournaments.
0: What does it mean so, to get dwellered? That, I, I'm, I'm loving the use of that. As I, I'm guessing, yeah, that's such a great <laughs> word and term.
2: Uh, so it was, just, it was. I don't know. I would say it's probably like a. Uh, <clears throat> Uh, a byword for one of the really powerful spells from Warhammer fantasy that uh, affected every model in the unit. And so it could potentially kill your characters from range, which was pretty much impossible. Otherwise Um usually had to risk a lot if you were going to tackle characters in melee. And so having a, you know, a 300, a 350 to 500 point model, if you had like a salon in a unit of, of temple guard or something like that, die to a failed strength test was uh, when he was strength three was uh, a pretty, pretty big bummer.
3: Feels good. Uh, yeah, it was, was that was rough. Uh first, almost up there with Purple Sun.
2: Yeah, yeah, yep, same thing. <laughs>
3: yep. <laughs> Only less. you could launch the Purple Sun off a 65 point elf character on a horse. Remember that? And you could yep. outride him and flank him and he would literally on the very first turn be on the flank of your opponent and shoot this spell that didn't die across his entire army. 65 points mm. game over done. Good design, guys. Well done.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Perfectly balanced um, across all all ways. Um, So as we mentioned earlier, you uh, are now a member of uh, Play on Tabletop. So for those who might not know, um, even after my amazingly detailed, fantastic professional introduction, um, what is Play on Tabletop? I uh, will play on the tabletop. We
3: started, um, this is the start of our th- year three, actually March 19th, I think will be our third year. Um, and we're now, we're now at uh, 125,000 subs, I believe on YouTube. So it makes us one of the largest battle report channels in the world, which is pretty cool. Um, we started as a, as a concept, the six of us, as we want to make battle reports, but we want to make them, I wouldn't say better, but different. Um, The current battle reports, and they're still out there um, for us at the time, was the, you know, the two, three, and even four-hour battle reports that still have a place because they show you an entire game start to finish, and a lot of people use them as great background stuff for when they're painting or when they're doing other things, they can pay attention to a battle report, and I, I still do the same thing. I think there's a lot of value in those. Our concept was different. We wanted to entertain. Could we create 30 minutes of entertainment? And that was our 40K in 30 minutes. Could we do this in a half an hour? Could we show a whole game? And we thought, yeah, yeah, we can do that. So we condensed all of the long form stuff, the things that aren't maybe necessary, a lot of the in between movements, and condense it down into 30 minutes, and talk to the players about their choices, and interjected them in the the middle. So a lot of times with battle reports, you would have to wait to the end. Why did you do this? Why did you do this? And then you got to clip back to where they were. And it it was a little hard to watch. So we made it digestible the next year we went to 40 minutes the reason that we didn't do it the first year was because tack one of our founders doesn't like fours if they're bad luck so he didn't want to do 40k in 40 minutes um but we convinced him otherwise because that extra 10 minutes really does help and it rolls a little bit better and it was still the same idea an entire game, a two and a half hour, three hour game, condensed down into 40 minutes so that while you're, you know, commuting, you're on the train or you're on your lunch break, you can sit down and kind of get your Warhammer fix. And we look at it differently. We're not there for the Warhammer player. We're there for the gamer. We're there for the the video gamer, the tabletop gamer. We're there for the the, 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 the player whose partner might not be into the game, but still wants to take part in what they do. So they can sit down and watch one of our our battle reports, watch the entire game, understand what's going on because we explain it very well and then still get a good feel for it. So it's not three hours of why did they do that? It's 40 minutes of, hey, that was cool. And then we do it again. And then we up the cinematics and we up the editing and we up the all sorts of cool stuff to try to make it as entertaining as we possibly can. That's our goal. And, and we really want to just keep driving it. We've got some videos right now approaching 600,000 views. That's I mean, a, a Warhammer Battle Report pushing 600,000 views. I never thought we'd see it. I'd love to see it get to a million. That'd be cool. I'd love to get a million subs. That'd be even better. Um, but as it sits right now, we're still all kind of part-time in this because, you know, it's, it's, it's not there yet. But we'd love to keep doing this for, well, forever, really. I mean, let's face it. It's kind of the dream, isn't it?
0: Yeah. Heck yeah. Um, so tell us so about the first battle report you recorded. So like, how did you approach that knowing that you were going in to take like this three to four hour um, commitment of time and kind of you have to cut that down to 30 minutes? Um, what kind of things are you doing and you're prepping to kind of go in there that's maybe different from a standard game?
3: um a few things and we've learned a lot on the way so our first stuff is a lot rougher than than the stuff that we're doing now Um, we've got a pretty good rhythm as, as we do it now but those first few and our first actual battle report that we put on youtube was not our first battle report we filmed i think we actually filmed two before that to try to figure out how to do it and a lot of it was how to block the shots how to set up the shots what we need to get how we need to do it and then it was running through it. We, we try to let the players play as much as we possibly can. The only time we interrupt them is if they're, okay, turn one's over, we want to get some model shots, we want to see where stuff is, and then as stuff's dying, we want to get shots of that coming off the table. So those are the kind of things that we, we pick up and interrupt. Um, the big thing that we've really learned is that communication between both players and understanding what it is they're bringing is actually a big, big part of what makes our show tick. Um, a lot of times you see guys, well, I'm playing so-and-so today and he's got X and this guy's got Y and somebody just smashes the crap out of him. It's like, whoa, that was not very fun to watch. And now what do we do with the last hour and a half? We try to make sure that it is as balanced as we possibly can. We've had stuff on our channel where it's been ridiculously lopsided because we've strayed a little bit from that, that entertainment kind of concept. But the biggest thing we learned is, is to just try to make it as entertaining as we possibly can. Just have fun, find the fun in the game, and then the editing becomes fairly easy after that. It's still 150 plus hours of editing. And without Nick Fraze, our, our director of photography, our head of photography, without his skill, I mean, I think he's been doing this for 16 years, we would not be able to do what we're doing right now. So he's a big, wow. big part of that.
0: No, and it definitely
2: yeah, that's a significant investor and experience there for sure. Like to have somebody that experienced on your team is really useful. So yeah, that's amazing. One hundred and fifty hours to of editing for each one of the videos is impressive.
3: yeah, give give or take it. it's it's a little bit less now, uh, and that's probably total hours we spend on it. I do the script sure. writing and then the narration recording. Um, and the script writing probably takes me, depending on what it is, anywhere for eight to 10 hours. When I say script writing, I'm sitting on set with a headset on, monitoring the mic levels, making sure that nothing's crapping out, listening to what the players are doing, correcting them if they're making mistakes, answering questions about rural interactions. Basically, I'm TOing the game and I'm taking notes and I'm keeping score. So the notes I'm keeping are about when key units die or when somebody makes a decision about something. And then I can reference that when I go back and write that all up so I can do the narration so that I can talk about why this guy didn't shoot at that model or what the choice was here to disembark this way and charge this unit or charge another unit. So it helps us to get a flow and get a consistency. And once we're ramped up, it, it works really well now. It's it would be hard for somebody to follow what we do because it's taken us three years to get to the point to make it run this smooth and it's it's pretty cool when you see it it's pretty cool to watch That's for sure it'd be great to have you guys come down
0: I really like that you cut off the YouTube comments before they even appear by sitting at the table and taking care of those rules, interactions um, and decisions why <laughs> things are happening there. Um, uh, you mentioned earlier that your target audience isn't necessarily kind of your your tournament gamer, your Warhammer player, and that you get a lot of views from video gamers and, and people outside of the hobby. Um, what's some of the feedback you're getting from those guys and kind of what's their impression of what's going on from there? You know what I would say it's
3: I wouldn't say overwhelmingly positive but it's it's 98% positive um We get a lot of people because the YouTube algorithm and it's great wisdom, and we still don't know how it works. Um, But it pushes us a lot of times because we get a lot of, I guess we we engage with our fans, we try to get on YouTube and answer as many comments as we can. So I guess that helps the algorithm. Who knows how it all works? It's magic and voodoo and, and, and we don't wanna shake it. We don't wanna wreck it. It's working well for us. We're gonna leave it alone and not threaten it. Um, but it pushes us out to other stuff. And we get people saying, I never knew that this was an actual tabletop game. I played the video games, or why is this popping up in my feed? I don't know what the heck it is, but damn, this looks cool. And we get a lot of that. And it's, it's great because we're greedy and we want more players to play this game. So it just means more opportunity to play. I mean, there's, you guys will remember the days that the doldrums of fifth and sixth edition, when you'd go to a hobby store and you'd have your army case and you'd sit there like the lonely guy in the back of the room because nobody wanted to play Warhammer. I I mean, we all remember that.
2: Yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. Like that happened to me on numerous occasions where they'd have like an open gaming night and you'd go down to the shop and hope for find a pickup game. But like, nobody would show up. So you'd be there for a couple hours and a big waste of time for you, for sure. Or
0: like pre-ITC. You yeah, might pull some stuff out and paint it. Yeah. Yeah. Like pre-ITC Will where you'd be, show but... up and it'd be like five or six people and you'd be like, man, that's a great turnout. And like really celebrating yeah. the fact that you had enough for three games against different people. Um Really different now though. Um There has been like an explosion over the past three, four years um, of gaming in general some of that comes from a little bit of pivoting on GW's part and how they interact with the community. Um, and and more of it's kind of coming from content creators like yourself or, or creating an Avenue for people who don't know about it to kind of come in. Um, I think it just came from a place where it was like a bunch of, uh, I mean, I feel comfortable saying this amongst the three of us here, but a bunch of old guard just kind of showing up, um, and you know, and not really being a welcoming environment to like a newcomer. Um, but no, it's super great, and it's, I mean, it's amazing to, that you're targeting kind of these people here. And as for that YouTube algorithm, uh, there's a really good video uh, which explains how to break it uh, really easily, <laughs> which was super cool. <laughs>
3: we've heard some. We've heard some interesting things about quotes and comments and polls, and we just like uh, we're just going to keep doing our yeah. thing. We're just going to keep. It's working. We don't want to jinx it. We won't <laughs> well, leave it. Um, well, no, but my... it is having more people. GW is a big part of this. Adobe's a really big part of their their pivot, you mentioned, huge, huge. What a different company. Right. Um, From the top down, like it it literally has changed. I remember when you walked into, like 20 years ago, if you went into a games workshop store, and you were asking questions of an employee, nine times out of 10, you got the guy who questioned everything that you were asking. And that's not fair. Sometimes you get a guy who'd go, oh, yeah, you're the guy who wanted this. Well, hey, we just got this in and would actually do his job, so to speak. But there was always that guy, that that gatekeeper, that just kind of sucked. But it changed. It has so changed. It is such a completely different thing now. And it's wonderful because... They want more people to play because they want to make more money. And that's, they've kind of figured that out now. Like they didn't for the longest time. And I, as yes, as mercenary as that is, it just means more people for me to play with. And my kid is, my son's 14 years old. And he's just a little bit older than when I picked the game up. And the fact that he can go into a game store, he's not going to be judged if he's wearing a certain t-shirt or a baseball hat or if he has a certain lifestyle or he how he behaves. He's not going to be judged by that because Games Workshop's not about that anymore. He's going to go in, he's going to say, I want to play this army and we're going to be cool. Check out the stuff we have. And what was your dad's credit card again? Oh, I know who he is. Don't <laughs> worry, I'll charge him. <laughs> Which is the worst part. Well, and I but think it, a, it's such a different game now.
0: Yeah, and I think a lot of it came from like early 2000s when they picked up that Lord of the Rings license and they were just sitting printing money every month and just sitting quietly back and counting their cash off of that. And then, of course, when those movies disappeared, so did a lot of the interest from that. And that's kind of when you start to see that decline. Um, and unfortunately, they didn't really pivot super quick off of it. But they've really kind of embraced, to me, like the humor of, of Warhammer uh, and both of Age of Sigmar and 40K. Where like Rogue Trader era, there's all kinds of goofy stuff. And even to like this day, there's all kinds of goofy stuff. Um, which is why oh, I think yeah. like a real issue when people like, I, I want to go back to the Grimdark. I'm like, nah, man, the Grimdark era sucked. Like third edition? Like, are you kidding me? There's like a whole bunch of weird stuff in there. And like everyone's celebrating the the way GW's coming across with their potato cameras. And like pulling Magnus out of a trash can, which I think was like the first big thing where people were like, whoa. It's like, is this the same company? Is this this what they're doing with that? (laughs) Exactly, right? Um, And then just generally like the Warhammer community site, which has, you know, unfortunately for some of the other community sites really replaced um, your need to kind of go anywhere else, which is just sort of genius in that. And yeah, it is mercenary. You're just like, it's to get more people to play, to make more money. Um, But for the fact that they're coming out of like 2020's pandemic year with like record profits when no one's really playing is just... yeah. A huge testament. Pretty impressive it's really really impressive and the po- there you go
3: they say they paid everything back already they paid all their covid subsidies back
0: which they, is amazing and they gave their their employees bonuses too so yeah. i mean it's just like it's super crazy um do you guys with uh, play on tabletop uh have you had any feedback from gw about the stuff you do uh yes and no um
3: they definitely know who we are um we've talked to a few guys about it um But really, um, we're kind of our own entity, um, which is good and bad, I guess. Um, It's kind of a weird thing to be... It, we're, we're torn as a team. It's great to be on GW's radar, but maybe not so much on GW's radar. I mean, if you're if you're su- sunk into one game to, to push your video game channel, that maybe you might want to diversify in case they decide to say, no, nope, nobody can do this anymore. Not that they ever would, because between, between us and Titans and Mini Wargaming and Tabletop Tactics and Winter's SEO and Deployment Zone Television and all these other guys at Hellstorm Wargaming, I mean, you can go on and on and on. Vanguard Tactics, they're not going to stop these guys. This is free advertising for them. I mean, you can't right. you can't buy that kind of advertising. So, um, yeah, you know, th- I'm sure they know who we are. Yeah. We're we're just going to keep grinding and doing our thing.
0: <laughs> of course, that comment brought to you by Raid Shadow Legends, um, available now for free um, at any time. <laughs> I'm really I'm going for that that easy sponsorship money. Like, hopefully, they they get it there. <laughs>
2: It's like our energy drink sponsorship.
0: Oh yeah. We have an energy drink sponsorship that I keep forgetting to mention because it's literally cancer. Do not drink it. Um, at all. It's, it's awful. Wow. Um, (laughs) promo
2: code. Say goodbye
0: to that. Thanks a lot, John. No, you're promo. How am I going to put
2: my kid through college now.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's it's America. You just take out a massive loan. He'll never be able to pay back and he'll be able to get through, uh, Mm. two years and then drop out. Uh, that's how I did it. Um, (laughs) <laughs> uh is there anything that you haven't done with a, a play on tabletop so far that you would like love to do but is just for some reason like impossible for you guys to figure out how to do it or have you pretty much kind of got into a place where like everything is how you want it to be
3: honestly there's there's so much more we want to do and so much we have on our plate we just don't have the time or the manpower to do it. There's literally only six of us. We did just hire a new editor um, and Mike is doing some really great work. Um, but again, with we've got Kill Team Challenger and 40K in 40 minutes and Kill Team Challenger just ended its season. Um, so we're gonna take a look at that to see how it did and pro- possibly make some changes and, and come back with something a little bit different maybe or not or leave it as it is. We just announced a partnership with um, Deployment Zone Television Uh, Winters SEO and the guys from deployments on TV came to us and said, Hey, um, you know, what can we do? How can we help? What do you guys think? And we said, well, we could probably do a show for you. They said, cool. Here's World War 12 episodes. And we're like, okay, so we're, we're in the midst of doing a narrative campaign specifically for deployments on TV. And it's like, Oh, okay. How are we going to do this? Do we going to find the time for this? Yeah. Okay. We'll find the time. But without that, without that concept of that global community, we can't necessarily um, hire a new editor yet, right? So it's a really cool, c- cool idea that's going on here—that content creators working together—and and I really dig that. But there's so much stuff that we want to do, we just don't have the time.
0: I love the fact that they were like, "Hey, do you want to do this?" And you're like, "Probably." And like, "Cool." Uh, so we'll order 12 episodes. Here's this. And like, "Whoa, whoa." We said, "Probably here." Let's you know pull back. Um- <laughs> yeah. At that point, Tack was like, "Yeah, okay, we can do that." Yeah. <laughs> It was pretty
3: cool. Tack, of course, is one of our, our founders and the, the Al Leon of uh of Tabletop of Play on Tabletop. He's letting his hair grow and he's got the goatee happening, so he's got that Al Leon look from <laughs> Doesn't
0: yeah, like the number cool. doesn't like the number four, but is a world quality okay player. So it's like, yes. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I enjoyed that joke way more. Uh because I didn't even say a zero K. I said an okay i'm gonna add in so much more laughter to that one um so recently <laughs> i'm glad you have some laugh tracks set up already because you're gonna need them <laughs> Ooh, that's sure. hilarious <laughs> um well no i would just set up dead air because again making the uncomfortable joke go too far is kind of what i do um you recently com- competed yeah. uh in the las vegas Nopen. um 40k Stats center put on this amazing event to kind of uh, fill the void that's left by the disappearance of the las vegas open uh the world's biggest uh gaming tournament and where we met some of your compatriots last year or no yeah it was last year holy cow What well, what a what a decade this past 12 months has been um yeah <laughs> yeah tell I'm us kidding. tell us a little bit about how you got involved with the uh, las vegas and open we, uh, as a team, as
3: PlayOn, we were sitting down trying to figure out if we could do something to help out the guys at Frontline because they've really supported us as well. Um, they've sponsored a lot of our episodes and helped us out with some uh, terrain and mats and stuff, and we were thinking, how do we do this? And then Peter the Falcon uh, Colosimo reached out and said, hey, do you guys want to be part of the thing we're putting together? And we went, yep, cool. How do we do this? And that was it. That's how we got involved. Um, and it was pretty much that simple. And then it was just, how do we figure out the logistics of doing this? We've already had the gear to do live stuff. So, okay, let's figure out how we're gonna do it. We've got the switcher board, we've got the stuff that we had set up. Let's see how it works, run a test game. And we did that and okay, we figured out some bugs and and now here we go on to the Las Vegas nope, and open. Steve puts a list together, I put a list together, we send him in and and that was pretty much it. Um, the guys at 40K Stat Center, Val and Peter and, and everybody, they did some serious work to get this thing up and running in under four weeks. Like, my goodness. <laughs> That's gobsmacking. I, I, I mean, I still, I'm boggled
0: by that. From like organizing all of these different content creators to come together, to creating the website for it, to getting merch going for it, to getting price support for it. Um, just an insane amount of work went to kind of getting that prepped. Um, for those who might not know kind of the concept behind the Nopin, and to kind of pull us onto the the, the next thing here, JT, what what, what exactly was your role uh, in the Las Vegas Nopin? So what they did was they took uh, a whole bunch of different content creators
3: from around the globe. So from Canada, the US, uh, England, and Australia, and everybody, 16 players built a list. And this is the list that we're gonna play. And you played that in your first round and some of us got to play it in the second round as well. You played that and your list went forward. You didn't necessarily go forward, your list did. So the winning eight lists from the first round go into round two. And now somebody else has to pick up your list and play that. So. It was really challenging to build a list that was easy to pick up for the next person. Then from there, it it goes again. So from eight to four, and then you play again, and then from four on and on until you get to your final. So it wasn't a a player skill advancing, it was the lists advancing. And it was a really neat concept because it kind of shattered a lot of um, ideas about what netlisting is and how certain builds play and took the not necessarily took the player factor out of it, but really made you reach and stretch as a player to try to adapt to some of the stuff that was coming in so it was a i think it was a really cool idea and i can't wait until they do it again there's rumors that it's going to happen late summer so i'm really excited for that
0: that's awesome and then in creating your list and obviously you you took out your Eldar and you had your dracaria list what limitations were sort of placed on you? Because you have to create this list that you have the possibility of, say, someone in Australia or someone in England or, or someone down in the South, that, like, is able to play. Um, what was kind of the conversation like where, you're like, hey, we can't, we can't run 30 of these. Uh, can you choose something else? I don't think there was actually
3: much limitation put in outside of a couple of things. Um, like questions about seriously, who has that many invader ATVs? What are you doing? (laughs) Stuff like that, right? Um, there were a few of those, but for the most part, what we did was, okay, here's, here's the list I want to play. And there were a couple guys who had alternate lists. Um, I believe Steven box from Vanguard tactics. He's, I mean, he's known for playing his blood angels, but he had his sisters of battle blood angels, like list that he played instead, because there were several blood angel players already. And he said, no, no, that's okay. I'll play this which was pretty cool, um, I mean, nice of him to do it, but the idea was that, okay, I have this army, we can field these armies, and that was all organization on Peter's part. He said, okay, you guys can field this, 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 yeah, we can field these, and we went through what we have, and then he just matched everybody up by who could play what. what um, Talk about a nightmare of, of organization, but the guy pulled it off. He's, he's a statistics wizard, that man. Um, he doesn't get enough credit. I, I need to buy him that Falcon hat, I think.
0: <laughs> Knows his way Dude, around. Him a falcon. Yes, he did. <laughs> That's right, he <you> did. <laughs> Knows his way around an Excel spreadsheet. Wow,
2: Peter's great, though. He's
0: amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so, talk us through the list that you chose to to represent. Because, I mean, a little bit of pressure here. Not only are you representing you and your chosen faction, but also play on tabletop too. So what tell us a little about about a little bit about the list you chose and sort of some of the choices uh, and why you made them. Um, so uh, basically
3: um, it's an evolution the list I have is an evolution of the list that I've been playing in tournaments because um, we do have one or two on occasion um, and then playing and, and theory hammering and theory crafting and working out how do I do this. Um, But basically, um, what I've noticed in ninth edition is that it doesn't matter if you lose your entire army as long as you're up on the scoreboard. So that was my, my primary thought because quite frankly, Dark Eldar have no armor and they fly wet paper airplanes. So I know that I'm gonna be pretty much wiped out by turn five and if I can hang on till then, then I can win, so how do I do that? And that was the gist of the list. Also, I'm old and I forget things. So things that are easy to remember and easy to do makes it simpler to play. And that was really part of my list design. Let's be honest, most of my list designs are, how can I make this easy? That's why I've doubled up on almost everything in the list. It was the classic Drakari triple patrol because that's the only way you can play it. And <laughs> double Ravagers with, with Disintegrators, with the Archon to give them reroll ones to hit and wound. Um, double Mandrakes, double Scourges with Blasters because they dropped to 10 points right before this. And then the secret sauce was my two Reapers, which were just absolutely vicious in the list. Dark Technomancers and Masters of Mutagens Coven allow you to overcharge your shooting and then any poison weapons on sixes to hit automatically wound. So Venoms suddenly on Overwatch, you're really great because you're overcharging your shooting for two damage and you don't care. Um, but with five Venoms and five, um, five racks squads with a, a hex rifle in each, so I could snipe at mortals on five ups and two damage it was pretty cool to to uh um homunculi to do the same thing one was a bit of a beat stick in that it had some d- defensive capabilities but the list was basically set to function as as hide as long as you can because the secret sauce was the core of the archon which is three non-infantry or non-character infantry models and a squad of cavalites that for one command point all of them walk on that's eight deep strikes i'm getting line breaker i'm getting deploy scramblers i'm i'm scoring 22 points a game Guaranteed, there's no way I'm not gonna get that. So do I get eight from another secondary to go to 30? Then can I score 30 to 40 points on primary? Well, yeah, I can, I think I can do that. So that's 60 to 70 points a game that I have, and that should probably win me a game. If it's close and if it's tight, and if I can keep it hanging, I'm gonna win that game because of that. And that's what the list was designed to do. Hide from three feet away, make you make decisions. I would obsequ you with all the rack squads that I have, because they're pretty durable if they get in close, and then shoot you off objectives. The key for me though was going second in, in almost every game. That's pretty much why the list won because the change to bottom turn scoring allowed me to hide as long as I can, play a more defensive game. If you poke your head out, I shoot you and then on turn four, five, I just dive. And now you're done. Because if you haven't racked up a big enough score by that point, there's just too much coming at you and it's it's gonna just take you out. And that's what happened in, in really basically the first three games, even in Brian's game, he lost everything but he had enough left to just jump in and just wreck what, what Adrian had. And that was it. That's why he won it.
2: That's fantastic. Yeah. That's a really good synopsis of the list. I was really impressed when I was watching the game that I was the table boss for, which is the first time I saw it in action. Like I didn't have a chance to catch your first game, but man, when I saw the second game, I was like, Oh yeah, this list is actually really good.
3: <laughs> that was, that was the, uh, and I was the double demons
0: yeah yeah (laughs) so yeah about that game and that was the one where you went up against uh the brothers Grimm, right like the the morty magnus like this this killer list that that's been running around and people have been pushing and kind of speaking onto net listing here where this was like a really tough matchup on paper like if you look at what this list did and and what it does compared to what people view drew carry um it should have been a completely different result. So, so what are some of the things you think went into making such a wide expense? Cause spoilers, uh, your Dracaria list won by a lot. Uh, yeah, it did. Why, why do you um, think that It won
3: was- by quite a bit. Um, I think it was twofold. Um, I think Steve had a real challenge getting that list 25 minutes before he had to play me. And I don't think Jeez. that it's a very user-friendly list to pick up and play. You've got um, the chicken, you've got Morty, and you've got Magnus. And if you don't, you've got the changeling, and you've got uh, Biolo, just a biologist, a pox, pile, piper, whatever the dude was called. And you've got spells that you have to cast in exactly the right order, and if you don't, then it's actually going to affect the way your list plays. You need to move this guy, warp time this guy, cast this guy, do this thing. And it actually makes it really, really hard to play that. It's very technical at that point of it. Um, on a hammer and anvil setup as well on a long board edge unless he put every single model at the very back edge of the board he couldn't hide because I have a 36 inch range and 16 inch movement and those bases are big so unless he wants to put everything in the back corner and put everything else up front to try to score and I will annihilate that in a single turn he's in some serious trouble so People don't realize how well dark Eldar actually match up against guys with toughness seven and eight and nine and 10. If you're a monster, I don't care because poison wounds, you want a four. Five Venoms is 60 shots and Magnus with a toughness of eight and a three up save my overcharge Venom shooting mathematically kills him. I do 18 wounds to him. I do nine wounds to him that he can't save 18 kills Magnus. That's just my Venom's, and now I didn't use all my Venom's. I used other stuff on the board to take him out because he was the biggest threat. But I absolutely carved that list apart. Um, I set up when when I watched how Steve was deploying, and I knew he had to go back. And I put two squads of Venom's on one one objective at the top, two squads on the other on the other side. Put one at the back so that I could kind of hold another objective. And i made sure that his Nurglings can't cover me up they can't take the objective from me because that's what that list really does he pushes those five squads of Nurglings forward and the Nurglings and the the horrors do pretty much all the work until about turn three or four and then the big monsters show up and start wrecking stuff steve figured he could get forward with one of the big guys and bully me a little bit and unfortunately it didn't go his way i didn't care about more tearing on that list i need magnus dead i need magnus dead then i need the chicken dead but I I did exactly what my list should have done to his list and and it tore it apart. Now TJ plays that list. There's no way that I, I scored 92 points. It's just not gonna freaking happen. However, I don't know how much better he actually fares because I am really suited to fight that list. And that's what people forget. Everybody thinks Drukari's crap, Drukari's bottom tier. And you know what, the codex is not that strong. Especially when you're fighting Marines with a three up armor. Especially when you're fighting rhinos that are toughness seven and my poison only wounds it on a six. But the moment you start walking monsters, ask any tyranny player how good a Dracari army is. And they'll tell you, I don't want to play them because they don't yeah. care about toughness.
2: Yeah, well that's super true. Like uh <clears throat> the the yeah, exactly. And the toughness doesn't matter, and that's the key, that's the key to the matchup, right? Um, just being able to wound on a four or a three and auto wound on sixes is, is super huge against, uh, a super huge in that army. So yeah, I, I thought about it and I'm like, okay, well maybe he's got a shot, like just seeing the list on paper. And then I saw the first turn. I'm like, oh, and that you had like, uh, in that particular game, the, the move that you did with Vect, the very first Vect was such a wrinkle brained play, right? Like it was, <laughs> it was a perfect and so when you did that and and, nu- and nuked his his reroll for his save, I'm like, oh no, he can't reroll any more saves this entire turn. Man, that's going to be bad for him. <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah, that was uh, that was a big one. Um, yeah, it's it's one of those things that people forget about that you vect and if you vect early enough on something that's key, like a reroll of a dice, mm-hmm. you're done. Like you can't get it the rest of the face. Sure, it cost me four command points, but the funny thing is that vect was huge, and then. Next game with Brian playing it, he pulls out a huge VAC right at the nice. end. And, you know, people malign it. Oh, it's four command points. You'll never use it. Oh, man, it's in your back pocket. And it's one uh-huh. of those things yeah. that, you know, you can just, it can turn a game. But you need four command points for it.
2: So something- it's, it's really like the ace
0: up your sleeve, right? Like for yes. sure yeah uh something you mentioned was the the complexity of that double demons list uh, and kind of all of the things that go into it do you see that kind of as just the way 40k is right now and especially as we see more and more ninth edition codexes coming out that we're seeing just this huge level of complexity to the armies and to kind of really properly get the most out of them you have a lot of lists that need like a lot of like to to paraphrase down here, wrinkly brain plays uh, rather than a lot of smoothness. Um, what's your thoughts on that?
3: I I think it's an interesting point. Um, I think synergies are kind of key always in in top tier 40K lists. But if you look at um, the list that TJ put forward, he had what Death Guard codex. He had Thousand Sun codex. He had Demon codex. He had um, all of the the, uh, extra books afterwards. It was like seven or eight codexes in that single list that's that's eighth level eighth edition complexity then you look at um was it Siegler's list that he had just Necrons mm-hmm. um and but for a um maybe a late game play maybe a slight misplay on on Mikey's part maybe he should have gone one turn sooner out with the Silent King um and he would have actually won his game there I think but that's again a really technical type list but that's single codex technical and the new Necrons are actually really. There's a there's a technicality to playing them really really well, beyond just pushing sixty warriors at your opponent, which by the way just sucks to shoot against. <laughs> it's just the worst <laughs> in the world. <laughs> oh, I hate it so much. <laughs> but it does work. But it's not necessarily going to make you go six and zero at a tournament. So that's what you're. I think you're still seeing that maybe too complex even maybe. Um, But when it works it works really well. I do like though that a list is complex and even tanks list that won the event I mean he's got sisters and he's got custodes. There's a lot going on in those two armies He's got answers for a lot of stuff. He's got a lot of stuff going on there And if John doesn't know how to play those two armies very well, I don't know how well that comes off Um, I, I really don't so You know complexity has its benefits. I think but I don't like how complex some of the stuff gets. I, like I said, I, I write dumb lists <laughs> that are easy to remember. And, and that's what it's for. And and playing the heck out of it makes a big, big difference.
0: Absolutely. And especially when you have less than 30 minutes to prep for your game. And they're like, here's nine books for you to understand the rules for this list. Um, yeah. That's never a fun time. Uh, but, no. Um, but but on it goes. So, when you're creating lists, you do say you like you like the simple things to keep going, and I can definitely appreciate that too. To you, what is the most important thing to take into consideration when you're building a list? Um If you'd asked me that last edition, uh, it would say, it would be the
3: ability to alpha or beta strike hard. Now it would be the ability to score consistently in every single turn. Um, in last year, you know in, in old tournament play, it was about pressure, 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 kill, kill, kill. And that's the way the tournaments were structured. Now it's not about that. I will purposely take secondaries that I don't have to interact with my opponent as much as possible because I know that if I, if I, I'm not strong enough to go toe to toe with a Marine list. Like I'm not. The only reason that I beat Steve in the first game is because I went second and I stayed out of his way. I stayed out of his line of sight. I cleared a flank and then I kept to that flank. I didn't overextend. And that's a mistake I think a lot of players who haven't played a lot of ninth yet are making. You don't need to poke your head out, you just need to score. Keep scoring every turn. Don't forget about your primaries. Get your secondaries, and and no, you're not gonna get 15 points on every single secondary. The chances of that are slim to none. If you can get 30 to 35 points out of your secondaries, that's a decent score because you should be fully painted and that means you're getting 90 if you max your primaries should be fully painted Listen, the buddy, quotes, right? don't you be shaming I me mean, we're all coming me. out of a lockdown <laughs> i'm sorry joe <John. laughs> i got <laughs> one sorry, model man. to go
0: i got one more to go and i'm done with my 2k <laughs> holy cow
3: well see that's not bad um i've got so many models unpainted i'm i'm oh but not the tournament army the tournament army is fully painted so that's all that matters right do you see though clean... what it is i think it's no go go i'm sorry I was going to say, but but I think it really is um, a holdover from 8th edition that you need all the firepower in the world and you don't, you really don't. You need to score and it's a real different way to look at the game now.
0: Yeah, for sure. Do you see that as being kind of an issue in the future where we're having a lot of people building these lists where the focus is on not interacting as much as possible? um do you see that kind of becoming an issue in this kind of two-player game where like if you have two lists that primarily focus on not really interacting with each other um does that change the makeup of the game or does that cause some kind of sudden faqs where next year's grand tournament packet maybe changes a whole bunch of stuff to make interaction more uh frequent I'm not sure if the pendulum's gonna
3: swing that far back um, because it it has definitely swung more in the, the scoring tactical movement more than anything else. I'm not sure if it's completely gone away because most of the missions still reward you an extra five points for holding more objectives than your opponent. So you can hold two objectives for five and three for 10, but to get 15, you need to hold more than your opponent, which means you need to be able to interact with them. And if you're gonna rely on waiting until turn four to poke your head out and then shoot him off one objective and hope that you can do it so that you can score that extra five points, I don't think that's a winning proposition. So there is still some forced interaction. Um, But then it becomes a question of disruption. So if you're choosing not uh, not to engage with your opponent, you still have to stop them from scoring somehow. I mean, it's great that you don't want to engage and both lists don't want to engage, but that just means you're you're not actually winning. You're you're tying, you know, and nobody likes a tie. It's like kissing your sister. It doesn't really count. Oh, we have lots of no, Southern you,
0: listeners. So you, it's fine. We're, <laughs> 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 That'll play well to our demographic. I'm so sorry, Saf. Uh, Dangly boy is part of the Rogue Trader Network. We got that plug in, Danny.
3: <laughs> Nicely done. <laughs> Uh, but it, it's it's true you know you're playing for a draw at that point and that's dangerous because you want to be able to get in control and control the game and control the board as much as you can and if you're gonna sit back while your opponent sits back one of you has to poke their head out. you you can't do that you can't just be completely passive I want to be as passive as I possibly can because my l- army currently can't go toe-to-toe with anything
0: <laughs> right um, as but we start I
3: had Necrons phew,
0: Oh, believe me, God, I'm so done with Necrons. I'm waiting for Danny to get over his Necron face because, Jesus, it's not fun. Uh, no, I'm kidding. It is fun.
2: Um, cool, dude. I'll switch to Drukari when that book comes out. It'll be great. I'll bust the Drukari army back out again. Man, nice.
0: what a great transition. We do have that new Drukhari book coming out. So we've already seen that uh, the, those papier-mâché jet bikes that they do fly are getting stupidly cheap. Um, what are some other things you're really hoping to see well, out of this book?
3: Um, Well, they they changed the FAQ again so that the bikes went back up and then the Reavers went up for some reason, or the the, uh, Hellions rather. I'd like to see Hellions get good. I want to see the Mercenary rule go away. Um, I think the Mercenary rule is kind of dumb because right now Incubi are better as Yunari and that does not make sense. They should have a benefit as Yunari, but they shouldn't be better. Um, I mean, Draz is still really cool and he's a a decent model, but Incubi needs some love, Mandrakes need some love, Scourges need some love. I do like the way, looking at the way the points have dropped and and as a word of a I have no idea what's actually coming in the book, but looking at the way that blasters drop to 10 points, I get the funny feeling they're not gonna be D6 damage anymore. I'm thinking that a blaster on a scourge or a blaster on a cabalite might go to like a flat three damage or something like that. Because 10 points for a strength eight AP four flat three kind of makes sense. You know, that D6 is a bit spiky, um, I actually see, I, I could see Dark Lances going to D3 plus 3 instead of D6. Um, I don't know what they're going to do with disintegrator cannons because they're still ridiculously expensive. And I don't think that a strength 5 AP3 flat 2 damage is worth 15 points a gun. I really, really don't. With every um, shot it takes, cannons,
0: out with every shot, that gun takes out its points worth of marine. True, true, but That's not it's a still good
3: thing. Yeah. strength 5. Yeah. Right. It's still, it it doesn't necessarily take out a Marine because let's face it, Marines are going to be two up, one up transhuman physiology. It's not going to matter. Right. Um, yeah, I love the splinter cannons. Oh, do you like the new profile? Oh, I've heard people complain (laughs) about it. And I, I literally, I have a sock full of old metal Hellions that I'd like to introduce them to. Yeah. Hell yeah. Because they're worse than dreadnoughts. The metal dreadnought in a sock is one thing, but metal (laughs) Hellions in a sock, they spikes, spiky. spiky. Oh yeah, baby, they're going to, they're going (laughs) to split some split some wigs. Um, I absolutely love the splinter cannon profile. I think it's what a splinter cannon should be. It's our heavy bolter. And that's basically a heavy bolter profile. That's Mm. what it is with the poison rule. Whatever that new poison rule looks like poison has a strength. I looked at that and went, Oh, what does this mean? Does this mean that if I'm shooting at toughness two, I actually wound better. Now, (laughs) is there a strat that makes the poison strength go up? Is there going to, are they going to change this? Cause I honestly think poison is one of the weakest. It's a great rule and it makes the army very unique, but it's also one of the oldest rules in the game. I think, I mean, this is a fifth edition, fourth edition rule that just doesn't make sense anymore. I shouldn't be able to shoot Magnus and wound him on a four. Like I shouldn't, that that just doesn't make sense, but that's the way the rule is right now.
0: And then just
3: if Venoms, keep the ability to move and shoot. The heavy becomes assault. Now a Venom can advance and shoot 12 shots. Suddenly the, because that's the rule for Jakari right now is any heavy weapon on a vehicle becomes an assault weapon. And if that stays, that means that Venoms are absolutely worth every point of 85 points with two cannons. Absolutely, because I will be blitzing those up the board Every freaking game. I'm sorry, I'm moving 22 inches. Zoom, here we go. And I'm shooting you from 36. <laughs>
2: yeah, even if they don't, right? Just seeing that 36 range and firing at full capacity is, I think, a huge upgrade to that model. Yeah. Um, like, that gives it, like, the ability to be kind of a sniper platform, which I quite like. I think that's yeah. really good.
3: I'm really excited for it for sure.
2: Like yeah, have that incubus stat line. Uh, was pretty spicy. I'm very excited to see how they will work uh, in the new book. Um, yeah, I'm excited over. I think it's going to be Give great. me
3: a fight twice, Rat. Oh.
2: oh, that'd be good. Give me a fight well, so, twice, So, JT, rat. I've been preparing, right? Uh, I picked up uh, a couple of boxes of Incubi just to nice. uh, supplement the 15 that I already have, just in case they get really good.
3: You've uh, only got 15? I've only got 15 I, metal ones, yeah. So that make that gives you I've got it gives you twenty thirty-five. I've got 30, 35 incubi. Oh my god, yeah. Oh yeah.
2: I want to yeah. see I'm... I want to see a 30 incubi list. That is I, awesome. I
3: still want to do it. it's gonna be such <laughs> crap and get shot to heck, but I have incubi with guns and hats, so technically I should get a WYSI <laughs> right? That should be
2: that should be I mean, I think so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I love that because of COVID, we're in this kind of area where as soon as we get any kind of rules preview, the first thing you do is go out and buy two of whatever was previewed. Um, and then if it's good, <laughs> you're set. If not, you're like, well, next cycle, I'm sure they'll be buffed a little bit.
3: <laughs> All so right. one advantage in owning so much Dark Eldar stuff um, and Eldar stuff. Any previews we do get, I'm like, oh, I've already got that and I don't really need that. I've already got that. I'm I good. Really yeah, that. I'm good. I mean, I bought all the org vehicles when they came out because you got to have them. I mean, they're so cool. Player, oh, they're so cool. Yeah, man. And the names are just fun to say. We haven't had anybody on the channel playing all the vehicles yet, and I'm really looking forward to it because it's fun to stumble over, you know, Admac names, but I want to <laughs> say ruck truck Squig Buggy. Hell yeah. <laughs> I want to say
0: boom Daka snaz wagon It's just a cool yeah, exactly. name. <laughs> oh man so just to round us out here um i want you to tell us your single favorite warhammer memory and now because guard here i'll let you expand that to fantasy as well so you know we could learn new amazing terms like danny shared earlier with us um but yeah just your single, single favorite favorite memory geez
3: that's a tough one there've been some amazing amazing moments in 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 my warhammer uh, the, the annals of my warhammer brain um you know i i, I shared this on, on another podcast and and i think it's still probably my favorite memory uh, at warhammer ever and it was a couple of years ago at the wounded warriors um, charity tournament in victoria and i'm playing an opponent who had a thousand sons list and he had magnus on his list and Magnus was in this ruin, uh, or this rubble, or whatever it was that we had agreed that was gonna slow a charge, and he failed a charge to get into me. And he had a bunch of other psychers and stuff around, and I thought, you know what? I don't use the Crucible of Malediction very often. I'm gonna use it here. <laughs> so as a drukari player, I use the Crucible of Malediction, which is two command points and a four up, a psycher takes D3 mortal wounds within 12 inches of the homunculus. Well, there was a bunch of other stuff and Magnus was only down to two wounds. So I rolled a D3 and I got a three. And the Dark Eldar, the most non-psychic race in the entire, entire universe killed the most powerful psyker in the universe in their own psychic phase. I did a lap of the hall. I couldn't believe it. I had to apologize to the guy I was playing. I think I bought him a beverage. I'm like, I'm so sorry, but you have to understand how incredibly unlikely this is to actually happen. I was I was embarrassingly enthusiastic, and I, I, I'm, I feel sad about how much I went on about it. But, yeah, that was a hell of a moment, that's for sure.
0: Amazing. That's amazing. Amazing. Danny, do you have anything else for JT here before we wrap this up? No, I think I'm good. JT, uh, what would you like to plug uh, before we let you get on your ways? Uh, Well, Play on Tabletop, please. Come check us out on YouTube at Play on
3: Tabletop. We are on Facebook and Instagram as well with Play on Tabletop. And, of course, our Patreon. um, That's how we do this, by having people support what we do. And and we love the fact that people are picking up what we're putting down. And and it makes it keeps the lights on in the studio and those kind of things and pays for tax extra coffee when he works 14 hours and 16 hours at a time, or Nick is editing until four o'clock in the morning. Uh, or I'm just trying to hobble together another script in in the last few minutes and then do my thing. So, um, please, you know, if you can, if you can support us on Patreon, great. Uh, if you can come check us out on YouTube, great like subscribe and ding that bell and all that neat stuff, comment, please. We try to answer them all. So, That'd be the place to find us, Patreon, YouTube and Facebook and Instagram. JT,
2: thank you so yeah, much and for absolutely your time. Check these guys out. The quality is super high, like do yourself a favor, um, and, uh, and, and give them, uh, give them a watch. It is a uh, truly a sight to behold.
0: Amazing. Uh, JT, thank you. Uh, we will be right back after hearing from, uh, the, the best death card player in this podcast, uh, Innis, uh, and his 40 K game theory for this week.
4: Hi everyone, Ennis Wilson back again for a second instalment of my as yet unnamed 40k game theory segment. This week we've got a double header covering both the social contract as it relates to games of 40k and also non-playing ways of learning your army. So we've gone for two slightly smaller topics this week instead of the one big topic of last week and this will be a format that we're swapping up between just depending on how we feel on the day. The first topic for today is the social contract and how that relates to 40k. So, The Social Contract is not only an obscure 18th century French book that covers some weird things about the government. It's also our obligations as 40K players to each other. It's easy to think that everything that comes from playing a 40K game is just in the book, right? All the rules are there, it covers all the ways that you play, how you roll dice, all the rules that you're gonna need. But we all kind of know there's more than that. And that's where The Social Contract steps in. The Social Contract is the unwritten rules of how you play. Whether that's at a tournament, where where you have the expectation that everybody's playing match play and you're not doing take backs, that you need to be declaring everything accurately. Or whether it's down your local club where you're playing a crusade campaign where the, the expectation is different. You're going to be, maybe you are doing takebacks, maybe your group allows that, maybe your group's making sure you all submit your list ahead of time, maybe your group is, you're playing surprise and you're a list tailor and all that. And that's all the social contract, is the expectations that we come to the table with. It's everything that's not written down in the book that you have to pay attention to. And it's something that can be very important when you're taking part in a new group, when you're going to a tournament with a group you don't know, or even when you're just playing someone new at the club when you're introducing them to your new group. It's very important to be aware of everything that kind of comes with that. Um, specifically as this relates to getting better at the game, you'll see a lot of things talked about online like playing by intent and the core part of playing by intent is that if you declare something that is possible at the time and you then go back to it and it's like you said you had an 8 inch charge and you're actually 8.5 away uh but you had the movement to be an 8 inch charge and you measured it and it's just something's been knocked something's moved someone spilled their water bottle all over the table it doesn't really matter what the reason is you're now no longer in that range that you thought you were If you've declared that intent with your opponent beforehand, it's fair to expect that they'll allow you to have the in charge anyway. As long as you're suitably suitably enfranchised in 40k to know that that's a thing you do, right? Um, If you're playing somebody who's new at the game or somebody who's not as experienced or somebody who's just not encountered that before, that might be something that you have to specifically explain, specifically state. And that's where the social contract comes in. The social contract is everything that fills the gaps between the on-paper rules of 40k where you're saying, this is exactly how everything works and the way that the game actually plays, which is often very different. That's cocked dice, how do you handle cocked dice, how do you handle a rules mistake on clocks, how do you go back, how do you deal with all of this little, these little things. And that's all something that you're going to have to figure out for yourself, you're going to have to figure out where your limits are on stuff like that. Uh, for me personally, I don't mind doing take backs in the first couple of turns of the game. You forgot to do something in your movement phase and it's your psychic phase or it's your shooting phase or it's your morale phase i don't care we're going to go back in the early game because i want the game to progress normally but once we hit turn four and five if you're forgetting that stuff that's on you uh and it's important to set that expectation up before the start because if you set up the expectation at the start that you're allowing take backs and then you could going they go to ask for one later and you don't give it to them they're going to feel hard done by and that's fair because that's the social contract that you've entered into with them and then the reverse is true is that if they don't allow you take backs You can't, they can't allow you to be pressured into feeling like you need to give them take-backs. That's just not how it works, Um, you have to have a give and take here. And it's about finding that mutual point between both of your limits, where the game is fun for both of you, without feeling like either of you are being overstepped. Okay, the second topic of the day is non-playing ways to learn your army. So we covered this last week a little bit with the uh, ways to get good, which was, me talking about how I sometimes just randomly grab a codex to read to uh, whether it's because I'm playing against it that week or just because I'm curious and I've not I've not really written a great Knights list in a while and I want to know how exactly does is Fire work again um so there are a few ways to do that one is really good which is looking at current lists um just seeing what's out there at the moment and thinking about how your army handles it whether that's looking at the the 40k stats center um podcast or the 40k stats website Reading Goonhammer's post about it, or just following competitive 40k on Reddit or Facebook, and seeing what are people are talking about, what's doing well, and then trying to think about how do I deal with that? What's my plan for that style of army? If suddenly eight flyers are everywhere again, you probably want to have a plan to deal with that. And having that understanding of the meta and what's going on will allow you to write better lists. Whether you're playing them or not doesn't really matter; as long as you're taking it into account. Another thing you can do is, like I said just reading 40k stuff whether that's rules for your army rules for your opponent's army just making sure that you have a solid background understanding of knowledge and then one more thing that i want to touch on is math and yeah i know math is not everybody's favorite subject but developing a good understanding of heuristics and probability is a really good way to get better at 40k without actually having to play it so for example if i said you've got to make a nine inch charge Roughly odds. It's about it's about a one in three, right? It's about the same odds of rolling a five plus on one dice is rolling a nine uh, It's actually slightly worse, but that doesn't really matter um, What about an A and rollable charge is this is almost exactly the same odds as rolling a three plus? These are the kind of things that you need to be Or not need to but should be trying to have an implicit understanding of because they make it much easier for you to go into a game once you are playing and Know what your likelihoods of things are uh, one more fun one that I always enjoy. Um, if you have if you have a shot that hits on a two and wounds on a two, your odds of actually successfully making them take a save is less than 70%. For two shots that hit and wound on twos, your shots of hitting and wounding with both is less than half. Um, a lot of people expect things like two pluses and three pluses to be much more reliable than they are, but when you start stacking them like that... Um, I know I just said that was the last one, but just to finish off. If you hit and wound, hit and wound on a three, you have a less than 45% chance to wound um, and people expect 3 plus 3 plus to be real reliable because that's when you're shooting guardsmen but yeah 20 20 voter shots into guardsmen is gonna wound like eight times on average so yeah that's just some little ways you can work on to try and develop your understanding of 40k without having to actually sit down at a table and play it because not everybody has time for that especially at the moment um, we're all dealing with our own circumstances whether that's playing on tts which is a technically a non-40k way of learning 40k um, but I feel like that's not exactly in the spirit of the question So yeah, um, have a look at reading some stuff following what's going on in the meta whether that's ha- what's happening now Or if in the future you just can't make it to a tournament and then you know, maybe dabble in some recreational math um, It won't hurt too much. I promise All right, everybody. Thank you very much for having me. This has been Ennis Wilson for my still unnamed section back to John and Danny.
0: Oh Man Um you know, recreational math uh, leads to some hardcore algebra and really just later life issues. Um, I thought it was just weight and tooth loss. <laughs> that too, That's for like calculus. Oh, math. Okay, well, sorry. <laughs> uh, In with some real sound, solid advice uh, yet again. Uh, second time back here for his uh, Untitled Game Theory segment, which I think is now just the name of the segment, uh, is Untitled Game Theory. <laughs> Uh, I would assume um, <laughs> what he said was good. I couldn't understand a word he was saying with that accent. Um, of course, captain of Team Scotland. Um, I think it's English. Uh, who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Barely, if, if it is. Barely, um, but yeah. So some great advice in there, and we look no, forward. Great advice, though. You should definitely listen. To that. Yeah, yeah. Some some great, and definitely uh, listen in, and we can't wait to hear what he brings next episode. Um with, with his advice there. Uh what a great conversation with JT though. Uh back before that. I know, right? Yeah. Uh super cool guy. Uh, has a real great handle on 40k and how it works. Um and mm-hmm. just his Dracary list, if you haven't seen it yet, is is a thing of beauty because as he said, it works. It just works. Um it doesn't really matter what it's playing against. Uh, the idea is to to hide and score. Much like me in college. Did that work for you though? No,
2: because it worked for JT. (laughs)
0: Yeah, same figures, (laughs) it really does. There, but um, what what else we got, Danny? What what else have we got to to wrap up here or or discuss? Um,
2: uh, well, let's do some shout outs for sure. I think that's oh, yeah, I I heard you have uh, some sticky notes. (laughs) No, that's for later. Okay, um. (laughs) that's for the aforementioned sex night but the uh just kidding um the the, uh the rogue trader network is a network that we're a part of and uh needs to be mentioned profusely um we've been not as good as i wish that we were about promoting our fellow podcast on the rogue trader network like we're really sorry guys um it's mostly my fault blame me as founding
0: as as like as founding Uh, members we do not talk nearly enough about all of the other great shows that align uh together um and as someone who does the show notes for literally every show and forgets to put everything in then absolutely blame me uh and not danny we're just gonna neither of us are (laughs) we're it's both our faults
2: it's both our faults we can just say that that's fine um and then, uh, but yeah, check them out. Like, we're really lucky to have them on the network with us. Like, we so so much amazing talent, whether it's uh, High Lords of Terra uh, or the NZ40 Cabal. Shabal. Um, uh, and also the Dangly Boys. I mean, they're fine. Yeah, Shabal, sorry. Um, I figured that I would say their name. They, they say it just for once, because for contrition. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just as an apology
0: for not mentioning them for like two months. Right.
2: So it's like a Catholic yeah I've got to do like rosaries and that's basically my contrition for forgetting like mm-hmm. is to say the name the way they want to say it and not the American way so whatever <laughs> um but yeah daily boys man uh and they've had some great episodes lately too um so definitely check them out uh, as they are in a place uh to play where they play games so uh yeah anyway uh like we talked about a little bit earlier like we're really excited this weekend to uh play in our little local thing. Yeah, uh, that we're doing,
0: Danny. Uh, um, our invitation, Danny uh, Scrooge McDanny, uh, which opened. we talked about. Like, the the year, yeah. yeah, opened yeah, up his pocketbooks. I, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if I get to play or not. I think you will. I'm excited. Um, yeah, because if you don't, my chances <laughs> drastic to go up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah,
2: i heard no complaints about that from the team by the way when i mentioned <laughs> that i may not be playing this like nobody's like oh no man come on play with us
0: <laughs> oh i think it comes from the place of uh as your regular opponent for the past six months being like well i see how this game goes um <laughs> that's <laughs> this is a rerun this is um, a that's okay but yeah anyway um, yeah, but,
2: and, and again, like, check out uh, Play on Tabletop with JT. JT's a wonderful man um, with a wonderful channel, and they do wonderful work there on said channel. So, yeah, 40K. Uh, definitely check them out. Super high
0: quality. 40K and 40 minutes is just really great um, quality production. Like I said, 40 minutes for you to see, but literally days and days of work goes into making it that bite-sized chunk. No kidding. Um, as much as I complain about editing, when I do edit this podcast, it's a couple of hours. It's nowhere near the 150 that gets put in. Uh, and it shows. Um, Dude, I can't even imagine. Based on the quality of that there. Uh, so so some really great uh, videos going in there. They have videos going back for, for three years now. So definitely check them out. And then if you're able to, definitely support them on Patreon so they can continue to put out such high-quality, amazing content um, that, that they are doing right now. Uh, They're back in the studio filming um, after Canada let them uh, with, with COVID restrictions. So I'm excited to see their content coming up.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm me too amazing Me too
0: well we will be back in a couple of weeks with uh, tales of the preliminary uh maybe some interviews with some mm-hmm. of the players that were there uh and kind of uh just uh probably danny and john episode uh where we chat about our experiences there chat to some of the players and our local community and uh yeah uh, just just a lot of banter and and subpar times hype hype Uh, so anyway, for mob rules, (laughs) I've been John, I've been Danny and we'll see you next time.